Good morning and welcome back, or I should say, I'm glad to be back. It is Wednesday, November the 13th. Our last show uh, was last week. We were hoping to get some shows done uh, while I was away in Amsterdam. Unfortunately, didn't happen and then um, got sick, still trying to get over it, so pardon that uh, today, but uh, happy to be back anyway, uh, taking taking uh, my time trying to get back on the air. I didn't want you to have to listen to a cough fest uh, for uh, an hour every day, and uh, so we are battling, uh, battling that cold and trying to get back on uh, on. On the up and up, uh, we'll get there shortly. Uh, but uh, welcome back! Thanks, thanks for your patience and for tuning into the show this morning. Um, a lot of ha- stuff has happened in the last uh, week, week and a half. Uh, first thing off the top, I think we should uh, we should mention and get to is the U.S. women's national team uh, were successful. Uh, in filing their lawsuit as a class action lawsuit. Um, and that is significant um, for a couple reasons. One is the, the class action status brings with it a whole nother level of um, seriousness. And for U.S. soccer... Um, potential trouble, financial trouble, um, because the court to to rule as a uh, to allow this to proceed as a class action means that the court is already seeing something off, and um, and that that abnormality um, is is leaning in the favor of the U.S. women's national team. Um, so that's that's the first thing. The second piece of this is that this could be uh, very, very bad news financially for the Federation. Um, it, it, is, um, it is troubling because... Instead of the Federation treating this U.S. Women's National Team and, the, and its members, its players, as the same level of their male counterparts um, and, and paying them proper wages, now they're exposing the Federation to damages beyond just recourse of, you know, making things equal over that time period. They're opening themselves up to damages. It is. It's very, very uh, troubling, um, and this this whole thing could have been avoided. Um, but you have to understand um, a couple things. There has been anyone that's been around the top levels of U.S. soccer over the years. Um, has probably heard some of the chauvinistic comments and attitudes from the leaders in charge. 
everything from like they should only get paid for um, you know winning matches against top fifteen countries. Um, you know, it's women's soccer. It's not men's soccer. Uh, there's been all kinds of. Uh, insinuations from leadership and this goes all the way up to the presidential level level comments in the past of of past presidents and and so forth at that level have been kind of dismissive towards women's soccer and you've seen it in the policies and the way that they've they've treated the women's national team Um, actions speak louder than words so whenever you say this is, you know, we, we don't mean to be that way. That's not, that wasn't our intention. Your actions don't line up with that. And that's what matters at the end of the day. Not what, not what you want everyone to believe, but what is actually happening. This is the same problem Major League Soccer has as well. Uh, they do a lot of this spin about, you know, we're doing X, but really they're not. They're just wanting you to believe something because they're not living up to the hype. And this is the uh, the situation with uh, with U.S. soccer. They're not living up to their duties. They, you know, even in Carlos Cordero's letter uh, a few months ago about this whole thing, you know, talking about how the Federation has paid or whatever. That's that is so disingenuous. And the fact that you have, you know, some athlete council members like Stu Holden, for example, defending Carlos Cordero, um, in in decisions and in things is is just laughable it's it's you got to look at actions what is really going on and in the letter he he didn't defend uh the women's national team he defended the federation and he didn't admit to the fact that what the court has already seen they have not even gone through all of the discovery for the trial just enough to get into class action status and they're already seeing issues with the way the uh, the pay inequity the treatment inequity and all those aspects it doesn't take much to see that and um this is the problem this dismissive attitude defensive attitude rather than an accountability attitude, a responsibility attitude. And that's the difference uh, with the Federation. Those at the top levels of the Federation don't view their job as much about stewardship, which if, if you view your role, whether that's, you know, leading a club or leading a Federation or, um, leading, you know, a business or an organization, if you don't view your job from a stewardship perspective, it's very hard to have responsibility and, and accountability. This, this stewardship mentality is necessary to get your ideas, your ideals, and your principles in line. Instead, what leadership positions have turned into are power plays. What's in it for me? Let me defend mine. I want access to the table. It's about me. It's a, it's centered on me, not on those I'm leading, those I'm in charge of serving. Hence the stewardship mentality. So um, this, this U.S. Women's National Team class action status is is very, very important. All of that to say that... This entire thing began 
not with this U.S. Women's National Team. And I don't want to lose this. This is the this is a really really important point. Often the first ones through the fire are the ones that get burned the most. The ones that 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 take the arrows. They lead the charge. The US women's national team is a collective in this lawsuit. They're not they weren't the first. They may get the most attention right now and they may get the most glory right now. But the first, the first one to lead the charge, to take the hits, the disparaging comments, being laughed at, scoffed at, dismissed, made fun of, humiliated, And I don't use those words because I assume this might have happened or someone told me something. I saw these personally. The the one who took all of that first was Hope Solo. She began this fight. She took it to the uh, the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. She's also gone through with a lawsuit herself who's paved the way before this U.S. Women's National Team fight ever began. She deserves recognition. She deserves our respect for standing up alone it's easy to bundle up together class action let's wrap our arms and stand unified that way if we do that then you know we're in less risk of getting individually shut out which the federation is known for doing freezing you out of the national team programs it happens at the at the senior level it happens in the youth levels but hope solo went alone. The U.S. Women's National Team at the time were not there. She fought anyway. So kudos to Hope Solo, as well as to all the U.S. Women's National Team players. This is a fight worth having. It is something the Federation needs to be called to task for. One of many issues And those defending status quo, thinking that you're doing American soccer a favor, if that is your, in fact, your mentality, you're mistaken. Instead, what really, really needs to happen, really needs to happen, is the Federation to be taken to task. And it looks like they will. Uh, And that may be short-term pain, but uh, I prefer short-term pain for a correction so we can have long-term gain our sponsor this half hour is ducktick brand d-u-k-t-i-g brand.com and uh, we are we are big fans of theirs it's it's getting cold they've got winter gear if you haven't checked it out go to ducktickbrand.com and use promo code dw show to get 10 percent 
off of your order. Again, that is ductickbrand.com DW show to get 10% off of your order. We'll be right back with Abram Chamberlain of AFC Mobile with the news of them moving from the GCPL to the NPSL breaking yesterday. So stay tuned for that. And a little bit later in the show, uh, we're also trying to get on Gerardo Flores of the Gulf Coast Rangers who are in uh, in the GCPL and and see their outlook on the future going forward. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Into the show. Thanks for tuning in this morning. Um, we are joined by Abram Chamberlain. He is the president of AFC Mobile. Abram, welcome to the show. How are you this morning? I am tired, as always, and I am sort of like overwhelmed with, with everything that sort of happened in the last 24 hours, or at least with the announcement of what's happened. So, I want to get into that. Uh, we wanted to have you on the show to kind of stop in and and address the news that broke yesterday. Rumors swirled last week. Um, I was uh, in in Amsterdam last week and started getting blown up with messages about a a possible seismic shift along the uh, Gulf Coast. It was announced officially yesterday. Four clubs from the GCPL moving their first teams to the NPSL. Those are Port City in the Gulfport Biloxi area, AFC Mobile, and Pensacola FC, as well as Tallahassee SC. Uh, So right along Interstate 10, filling in the gaps between Jacksonville and New Orleans, uh, right all along Interstate 10. So um, yeah, so the news breaks yesterday. First, before we kind of get into that news as it was announced, um, I want to kind of rewind for a moment. Uh, how did this all come about? Where, what is the origin of this move, and, and why did you, did you, as AFC Mobile, feel like this was a good move for the club? A lot of questions. So let's let's sort of start with. Um really the the origin of AFC Mobile and sort of what we had always 
intended on doing is we always wanted to be in some sort of national league. We always wanted to have some sort of option to qualify automatically to us open cup proper. And I would have to, I would actually defer to probably Sean Landry, who is uh, our, our CFO. He's sort of been the driving force behind this. I know we've had a relationship with Kenny Farrell, um, chairman of the NPSL, as well as the head coach of the new Orleans Jesters since 2000, it must have been, what are we in? We're in 1918. So 2017, I know we had a friendly with them. Um, it, it's just really, I'm still at the point where this is all kind of hitting us at, at once. So I think it probably, it may, I don't want to say it goes back quite that far, but I know that midway, a little bit after the season, and may have even been in mid October, Sean sort of came to us with this, this idea of, now might be a good time to make this move from GCPL to the NPSL. And none of us sort of took this as, as an actual possibility because the honest truth is really since we were, even before we fielded a team, if you go back to 2015, 2016, people immediately were like, oh, well, AFC Mobile is going to be in NPSL or AFC Mobile is going to be in what was then the PDL. I think they're like USL2 now. I can't. USL2, right? That's the, the the amateur one. And so this, I guess this was sort of after that last year that we just had where we had a very successful year in GCPL, it just kind of seemed like the right time to make the move for us. Um, we had that good season. We were able to try some things out, which we weren't able to try before as far as hosting players, uh, as far as some of the promotions we were able to run. And then just sort of everything kind of fell into place. I want to say it was, I want to say mid-October. I don't think it went back as far as September. But it just now just seemed like the right time. And I know for us, our goal has always been to bring the highest level of soccer possible to Mobile. And at this moment, it seems like NPSL is the highest level we're able to get to the city. So in terms of uh, first the timeline, who, who made the approach uh, to AFC Mobile? Was it from Kinney? Uh, where did that approach, that conversation begin uh, in terms of, you know, the, this conversation or idea of looking at uh, making a jump to the NPSL? What if I told you I don't know? Um, that's sort of, I, again, I keep feeling like I'm, I'm pushing it off on to Sean. I know that Sh- either Sean, was, I know Sean was approached. I'm not sure if that was by Kenny or whom exactly that was from, but it was definitely a conversation had between Sean and the people at MTSL. And then in terms of uh, that, that approach, uh, there's, you know, Typically, when you're joining the NPSL, there is a, a uh, an expansion fee and then an annual fee. Um, different stories were circulating last week about that conversation. Do you were you, are you aware of that that element for AFC Mobile? Were you guys able to get in without an expansion fee, or is that part of something <laughs> you're having to come up with? What has that that process been like? We, yeah, we. I, I remember seeing that when. Uh, gosh. Again, I, I, I must have been no. It must have been October. Now that I'm thinking about it, because I think it was October where the first story came out, and they said that I, I, if I recall correctly, what the the tweet said, it was something along the lines of AFC Mobile or not AFC Mobile, but GCPL teams getting in for free. I can't remember exactly what the comment was. I can tell you, I can't give you an exact number. Again, I'm not the money guy. It's not free. 
Um, it's just sort of, you know, that sort of is what American soccer is, is not a free system, not a merit-based system. So it's just sort of, yeah, there is, there is definitely money going to be coming out of AFC Mobile's pockets to pay this. And is that field closer to the annual dues or do you know if that's, that's annual dues plus uh, some type of an expansion fee? I, I know it's definitely the annual fees, and I know that there's definitely part of the expansion fee coming up as well. So in, in terms of uh, the NPSL, in the past, they have operated with territorial rights. This is a, a closed system um, league like every other league in this country. And, uh, and so some leagues have chosen to have territorial rights. Other leagues haven't. I know at the, uh, the recent AGM of the GCPL of this past year, this past season, uh, that was a, a topic of conversation at the GCPL AGM about having territorial rights versus not having territorial territorial rights. Um, were you guys uh, able to be granted some type of territorial exclusivity with the NPSL, or is it open season for applicants in terms of geography? Uh, where did that that conversation or or uh, negotiation land for you guys? This, again, that's a question that I wish I knew the answer to. I know that the uh, AOM, I believe, is this. Uh, actually, I know it's this upcoming weekend. That's something that would probably be better answered once we were through that. So looking at the NPSL versus the GCPL, you you, you voiced um, a, um, a view or an opinion that you think that is a higher level than the GCPL um, what, what are the advantages that you guys, um, looked at when you were making these evaluations of, do we stay in the GCPL for a season or two longer versus making the jump with the first team to the NPSL? What were the advantages that you saw as, Hey, th- these, these things outweigh any potential risks. What did you think you were going to so get I out of this move? I think the biggest thing, and I sort of alluded to it earlier, is that opportunity to play in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, It's a little bit easier to qualify for U.S. Open Cup out of the NPSL than it would be out of the GCPL. And that sort of, that was one of the big, the big changes for us as well. Um, I've also, I know that I'm aware, because we did some of the, the player recruitment last year, and we were told specifically by certain coaches at certain colleges that they would be willing to send a player to play in the NPSL, but they were not willing to send a player to play in the GCPL, which we found frustrating, I guess would be the best way to put it. So I guess sort of that, that national name recognition, whereas people still look at GCPL fairly or unfairly as a regional league. I mean, in in theory, it is still very much a regional league. It's a very good regional league. It's probably one of the top, if not the top regional league in the country. And the quality I would say is, especially with some of the upper level teams is as good, if not better than some of the NPSL or even UPSL teams. But it's that, that I guess notoriety would be a good word to say. And that sort of easier path into the U S open cup for us. I don't know were two of the big things that we took into account uh, on making this change. Do you think that you guys are going to have an easier chance of drawing larger crowds and sponsors, more sponsors? I think sponsorship-wise, it may be a little bit easier. Um, 
I'm not sure as far as crowds go because I, I kind of feel it's it's that, and I, I'm going to totally bite this this phrase from from Detroit, which is that it's it's club over league. I think no matter what league we played in, it's going to be our our sort of our passionate group, and I don't think that many of them are going to be. You know, people are obviously excited about the idea of being an NPSL, about the idea to potentially go play a team uh, outside of our geographic footprint. But the the truth of the matter is, it's club over league. And people are going to show up for GCPL, people are going to show up for NPSL. If we were in USL2, if we were in the South Alabama Soccer League, well, maybe not if we're in South Alabama Soccer Association, but... As long as we're in these these leagues, these regional leagues, or even national leagues, as the case is now, I think people are going to come out. I don't know if it'll draw a bigger crowd. I do think that it will definitely um, be more attractive to sponsors when they hear that idea of it being national as compared to regional. In terms of the move, uh, this this move did not happen in isolation. Um, as I mentioned at the very top of this, you're making the move, Port City, uh, Pensacola, as well as Tallahassee, all four members of the GCPL Eastern Conference from the 2019 season, making this move and then being bookended on the east on Interstate 10 with Jacksonville and on the west in inter- off of Interstate 10 with the New Orleans Jesters. Um, in terms of you know improving the the um, the quality of play or you know access to quote unquote higher level soccer, um, do you do you guys worry that uh, you know you're basically playing the GCPL East except under a new name with with two two new teams instead of having the Gulf Coast Rangers and Hattiesburg in the mix, you're replacing those with the Jesters and Armada. Um, do you view that that as any potential uh, you know downside to this move that it that it's not AFC moving into a a new conference with say four or five new opponents, um, or do you think that familiarity and that proximity in terms of geography will help continue to build on the progress you guys made in the GCPL East over the last few years? I think that's, that actually is, I know for a fact, a conversation that we did have, which is, you know, what, is there a big gain on doing this? And it, to me, at least it feels like it is. I think when you add an, an Armada and you add a gestures, you're adding two, Known-ish teams are, you know, I, I know them because I'm a non-league soccer nerd. I'm sure you know them because you're kind of the same thing. But these are teams that people know. People are aware of Robert Palmer. People are aware of Kenny Farrell. People understand what those teams are about. And then when you get to add those two teams, in addition to keeping the, the rivalries that you've already forged with Port City or the history that we have with Pensacola, or the excuse me, or what Tallahassee did in a single year uh, in the GCPL, and what we sort of did with them, and we, we played them twice to two draws, a zero zero and a two two. Both of them very exciting, big games. You get to continue building that legacy with those teams, in addition to adding two. I don't want to say stalwarts, but they really are. They're really, and that's the word that they kept using uh, over and over again, is these NPSL stalwarts. The Jesters are a huge club in my mind. Um, the Armada are, you know, a former NASL club, now playing in NPSL. Ambitions, I would assume, to, to push themselves to a higher level. 
So when you get to go and keep who you've played for the last few years and continue to build those rivalries, we get to continue the Forgotten Coast Cup. We get to continue playing Pensacola. We get to continue playing, excuse me, we get to continue playing Tallahassee. And then we add those other two teams. I don't think there's really a downside to it. There, there was a lot of consternation when news started to be uh, leaked last week. Uh, no teams at the time were named, but just said GCPL East, and people started connecting the dots. AFC Mobile has been kind of the the GCPL, um, you know, poster child of success um, off the field in terms of attendance and drawing crowds and, and building excitement, connecting with local media uh, in much the same way Chattanooga and Detroit have served that role for the NPSL over the years. And, um, and so obviously AFC Mobile was one of those, those clubs uh, highly speculated, speculated about last week. And in that speculation, I, I, I was seeing a lot of consternation and, you know, skepticism on uh, the Process. Did you feel like anything in this process was underhanded, or you know, uh, you know, for the lack of a better uh, descriptive word, dirty? Or did you did you just feel like this is one of those situations where the U.S. soccer system is what it is, and 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 we were just you know presented with an option and opportunity that we we didn't think we would be able to to attain, and and so we just we said, why not? Let's take it. I think it's very much the the latter as compared to the former, which is, it, it always seems worse than it is. I don't think there was anything, in my opinion, dirty or underhanded about it. I know I tried to keep in constant, constant contact with uh, the people at GCPL. I know they kept in constant contact with us. I would assume that the other teams did as well, but I don't really have insights into their boards. But I, I would imagine, you know, there was never a time where I felt like we were necessarily being, I think the word uh, poached has been used. Actually, poached is not the one. Maybe it was pilfered, stolen. I, I, I don't know the way, the, the words that have been sort of tossed. I honestly, I feel it was a fairly open process. I feel this just sort of is what it is when we're in a system that's based on promotion as in selling yourself as compared to promotion in sporting merit. This just kind of is what it is. You can blame the USSF, you can blame the leagues, you can blame a thousand different peoples, but unfortunately this is just the way American soccer is set up. Looking at um, where you guys are in terms of making preparations for um, next year, moving forward, the NPSL has announced uh, extended season options uh, in the press release. It looks like you guys are looking only at the, the summer uh, session. Uh, you guys played a friendly before this year's GCPL season against Chattanooga, and it was uh, a struggle. Do, do you guys feel like uh, having access now? Now to be in the NPSL in an official way, not just playing a friendly, will help you draw enough talent to overcome that deficiency as you witnessed in Chattanooga? Uh, or, or you know, do you feel like it's going to be some growing pains here in this first season in the NPSL? I think that with our history of what we have shown so far and with the, the positivity that a lot of the players who who came who were recruited who weren't there at that game came in and were able to now spread to their other other players other friends who are playing these in these summer leagues i think we'll be able to to cover that deficiency 
relatively quickly, actually. Now, I'm not saying we're going to be competing for an NPSL national championship uh, in the first year, because there's obviously going to be some growing pains, because thus is the nature of the sporting business. But I do think that we'll be able to feel the competitive team in the first year. I believe we should be competing for a playoff spot. Um, and we'll just sort of see how we go from there. I know Steve Wazorek was able to provide us with a much more competitive team than we had ever previously had in GCPL. And now it's going to be, is he going to be able to do that? I would think so. I have a lot of faith in Steve and what he did for us last year. And I have a lot of faith in Steve as to what he could do for us. Because there were several players who Steve did go after last year to try to get come in GCPL that were difference makers for NPSL teams. Um, I don't really want to put any names out. Maybe we'll talk a little bit off the air. But there are some players that he went after who were very excited to play for ASC Mobile, who were very excited to come play for us in the GCPL, and then were sort of persuaded to, well, why don't you go play in NPSL? So I, I have a huge amount of faith, faith in Steve and the rest of his technical staff to field the competitive team uh, next year. In, uh, in looking at uh, where this is in terms of this move, one of the things that the NPSLs recently talked about is the extended season option. Um, and uh, you talked previously about your ambition to bring the highest level of soccer to Mobile uh, as possible. Um, do you think in the future you guys would entertain going longer than just that summer session if if maybe some of the other teams around you uh, that are in, in the NPSL uh, would be looking at the same option? Would that be something you guys would consider? I think it's something that is ready for the most political answer ever. I believe that's something that's not off the table. I know that's something we are at least internally discussing and it's going to be sort of how are we able to handle the summer season as we sort of the step up in competition, the step up in everything with NPSL. And are we then able to transition that from being a summer league into playing a longer season? Fair enough. Well, Abram, look, I really appreciate you you coming on. The news breaking yesterday uh, about uh, the, the club's move to the NPSL. Um, and uh, look forward to, to having you back on when there's more news, maybe uh, after uh, you guys have the uh, the AGM for the NPSL coming up. Uh, you'll have some other, other things sorted out. But uh, appreciate you uh, shedding some light on some of the process. Uh, as we discussed, it's been a lot of speculation and uh, kudos to you to come on and uh, and talk about some of that from uh, the AFC Mobile perspective. So appreciate it. How can people follow the club on social media? So we are on pretty much every social media platform at AFC Mobile. I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, on Snapchat, which we never use, on Facebook, um, AFCMobile.net. Uh, what am I missing? You know, that's that's the the kind of the big ones. Basically, if you search AFC Mobile on any social media platform, I'm pretty sure we're on LinkedIn too. You can uh, find us, follow us, get updates, get all sorts of news. Well, Abram, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Good luck, and uh, you know, uh, we'll be uh, we'll be watching and uh, and and seeing uh, the, the progress. So, uh, thanks for thanks for joining the show again. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Thank you. That is Abram Chamberlain, the president of AFC Mobile. Check them out uh, on those social media platforms to get more news from the club. We'll be right back after this. 
no one, no man, no woman, no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. Bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities, it truly transforms them. It changes everything. Now you could know that you'd made a difference. You could know that you had truly impacted the life of a family, of a community, of a region. There was either clean water or there wasn't. We believe in a world where every single person has clean and safe water to drink, and we will continue fighting until that happens. Welcome back into the show. Thanks for tuning in on this Wednesday, November the 13th. Uh, we are pleased to be joined as well today uh, by Gerardo Flores. G, welcome to the show. How are you today? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks. For good. Thanks for coming on. Um, so uh, just uh, had a chat with Abram Chamberlain, uh, the president of AFC Mobile, talking about their move with their first team to a new NPSL kind of Gulf Coast conference set up with the NPSL with Jacksonville um, all the way on the east on I-10, New Orleans Jesters all the way on the west on I-10 and bringing in four uh, members of the the GCPL Eastern Conference uh, first teams to fill out the middle of that uh, Gulf Coast Conference on I-10 with Tallahassee, Pensacola, AFC Mobile, and Port City all uh, leaving the GCPL with their first teams to go into the NPSL, into this new setup. Um, from a from a Gulf Coast Rangers perspective, where does that leave you guys? Um. Right now, I think it just leaves us waiting to see the direction of uh, GCPL and and what they um, what they'll put together. But for us, you know, the the MPSL um, uh, attractiveness and 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 the hype was never something that lured us or attracted us. So it was never something that we were considering or or, or thought about. We, we actually thought that what GCPL was doing and uh the teams that were popping up here along the i-10 along our area we thought it was great we thought it was exactly what this area needed and uh if anything exciting for that that um that local community growth uh of soccer uh grassroots non-league soccer was happening so uh, <clears throat> where's the leave us we're just gonna wait and see but at the end of the day gcpl fits our bill gcpl uh serves us for what what we need it and 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 we want to stick with GCPL. We want to grow the game on a on a on a local community level. That's what we want to do. So, how does how does the GCPL fit? What <clears throat> excuse me? What what Gulf Coast Rangers are trying to do? What what is it that you're trying to do? And why do you feel like the GCPL is the right fit for the for Gulf Coast Rangers? Well, for us, you know, we're in it for the entire pathway of player development. So, uh, for us having a, a men's and women's team, this is our 
we're going into our third year. So second year last season, this past summer, second season of being in it. Um, it was just to, to cap off what we're doing at, at the youth level. So we wanted to have those, the men's and women's teams that the players can see themselves uh, training in those environments, trying to reach those, those levels of play. Um, so that's why GCP, I mean, we're not in the game of, um, you know, the, the, like I said, hype and lights and, you know, chasing fans in the stands. It's not really, I mean, we, we love the idea of community coming to support, get behind us. But for us, the GCPL was regional soccer, local soccer, community soccer, where I strongly, passionately believe that's where soccer is going to change in this country, will be in the local communities, you know, not chasing a national recognition or notori- notoriety uh, that some, some others chase. So looking at kind of the aftermath of the uh, the GCPL, if you look at the map, it just it looks like a bomb went off along I-10 yeah. from uh, it's like Hur- Hurricane NPSL landed yeah. right up Mobile Bay and with it in its wake wiped out Tallahassee through Port City. Yeah. Um, in in regards to to looking at the aftermath, uh, what do you hope to see? Uh, in terms of the GCPL East, because uh, as it stands right now, officially, um, there's you guys and there's Hattiesburg. Uh, talks of Montgomery, I believe, uh, joining as well. Um, do you see anything else? Have you heard anything else uh, in terms of possibilities of, of any additional teams to kind of round out an Eastern Conference? Or is that going to be more travel for you guys into Mississippi and Louisiana? Maybe. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I'm looking at it, you know, because we also manage the WPSL team. So I'm looking at it that it might end up looking like that. You know, one the first season WPSL for the women's, we, we had to go to Baton Rouge, uh, Birmingham, Jackson, Mississippi, and then Pensacola. So I, I imagine that this might end up looking like it. It doesn't have that local taste or feel um, of going across the bay or going down the road, down the I-10. So you, you definitely lose something. Um but Daniel, for us, I, I'm I'm very familiar with the MPSL PDL model. I was I was a part of the first 2009 Justice team, so I I, I know what it looks like. Uh, and and for the longest time that I've been doing club, not longest time, so I say, you know, the eight years that I've been involved in youth club, I've had phone calls with um, the PDL guys, the uh, USL guys, when they were chasing, you know, getting teams down here in the area before AFC. But bottom line for us, like we just couldn't, we couldn't imagine paying at the time. It was like fifty thousand dollars to join PDL, or you know, and then they would give you a fifty percent off or something like that to get you involved. MPSL, I don't know what it was. I think it was fifteen grand to join the MPSL. But that's that's for us. It's just not what we're in it for. We're not gonna. We we never wanted to pay a fee to enter this this league or this level to give us like a, a, a some notoriety. I think it's crazy. I think it's ludicrous that people think that that's, that's the way of building community soccer. Pay your way up. None of those three teams, besides Port City, winning last season. What was it? Uh, the year before, right? Is that what they won? Yeah, they won the year before. Yeah. I mean, what, what have they done? What have they done to just go pay a, a fee to enter a so-called higher level? It's not a higher level. People want to sell you the right, the, the same stuff. Sure, they got good players and good teams. It, it's the same league. It's 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 not um, uh, what's it called? Not recognized by U.S. soccer, U.S. soccer, considered the fourth division, right? 
but not cons- not not a uh, uh, not recognized by U.S. soccer as part of their pathway. I mean, what are they? They're paying for the same thing, but different colors and a new and some new letters. And and the shame is what annoys me the most. Daniel is sorry for any noise in the background. Um, the shame is that the, what's sold to other people. That idea that it's a higher level, or that idea that it's 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 better. Um, and people are going to believe it. People are going to buy it, and you know, so be it. So it's a shame, but it just doesn't. It just, it just wasn't where we were after. It's just not what we're at, uh, what we're about. Obviously, uh, the the dysfunctional U.S. soccer system does not have sporting merit and promotion and relegation requirements of FIFA. Um, so when we look at the landscape uh, and we and we bring it down to the microcosm this uh, of local um you know i would look at a region being you know new orleans over to you know to say tallahassee right as kind of a a a, a pretty uh good you know defining parameter of of a local region along the gulf coast for gulf coast rangers losing those four uh, teams with their first teams to uh, the NPSL. Um, one of the things that has been a part of the NPSL in the past, um, and I asked this to Abram, he didn't have an answer, and uh, we're, we're hoping to follow up and be able to, to get this answer, but in the past, the NPSL has implemented uh, geographic boundaries, yeah. territories. Yeah. Are, you, yeah. are you a little concerned that... Um, you guys no. will get effectively locked out of the NPSL no. going forward. No, no, no. Which, by the way, I think and 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 uh, AFC Mobile and and I think Port City sat at our meetings and and hate to blast them, but they you know this this idea of protected limits or can't have a team in in your neighborhood or your area absolute pathetic. Like get, get over yourselves. The the idea that you can't have a team in your neighborhood to to compete with you. It, it, to, to be fair, like protecting yourself of what? Of soccer? Of, of, of being able to produce a good soccer team? This is, what, this is what the, I think Abram used, promoting uh, promotion by selling yourselves. So that's what we've gotten to. So there, there's a team across the, uh, the road that's just going to sell themselves better because they've got a few more people put more pennies in your pocket. So they're going to go sell themselves better regardless of the soccer that they provide. And, and the unfortunate piece is that the people that don't know any better, they go in the stands because the colors are bright and the noise is loud. They're going to go ahead and just buy it when they're not paying attention to the soccer that's being played. AFC Mobile has done nothing in three years to deserve promoting, quote unquote, themselves into the next league. Absolute nonsense. So this protecting themselves or MPSL wants to protect teams, I think they're stifling the growth of soccer. What I actually hope happens, Daniel, is I hope another team in Mobile pops up. I hope another team in Mobile pops up in the GCPL. And I hope another team pops up along the Gulf Coast that wants to join the GCPL that shows a little bit of, of um, you know, long-term view rather than short-term success. I hate this idea of, of, of or this word use history. These guys have been around for three or four years, Daniel. What are they talking about history? History is, is, is actual clubs that we look at and, 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 and admire and follow on the, the European level history. What are they talking about? The three years, like, and they're, and they're talking about these cups, like as if they've been around for decades. 
You there? Sorry. I, I'm here, man. I was, I'm, I'm just listening. Uh, so I just got back Monday uh, night from uh, a week in Amsterdam. And um, one of the things that um, I observed while I was there everyone when they think of uh, Amsterdam they think of Ajax um, right and it is it is the quintessential Dutch club it is the biggest club in Ajax in in all of the Netherlands Um, and you know people think Amsterdam they think Ajax but they don't actually know the landscape of soccer in the city of Amsterdam correct Um, while I was there I was um at a, a local club, they have three fields, they have a clubhouse, locker rooms. At the same complex, there's like three, four, five, six other clubs with the same setup, all in the same park. Yeah. And then you go over five minutes away, and there's another complex with another eight, 10, 12 fields with four or five different clubs, clubhouses, etc. They all compete, right. you know, in the in the Dutch pyramid. Yeah. Uh, some at the same level, some are at different levels, etc. Um, some have stands, some have standing only areas, etc. Right. But um, you have multiple clubs right on, not just in the same city, but in the same park. Um, when, when I look at the growth of the game there, the underpinnings of Ajax is that scene. Um, and, and you see that repeated throughout Europe. You see clubs, multiple clubs in an area, uh, a neighborhood or a community. And then what you see on, on TV with Chelsea or a Liverpool or an Ajax or a Barcelona have been the, the growth over time organically of a club becoming big uh but their roots their origin story was was growing out of you know the city uh to become a city club not just a neighborhood club but it was it was a growth up the pyramid that kind of helped spawn that on spur that on so when you look at the the landscape of the gcpl and you look at the landscape of regional soccer uh, and, and you talk about like you would like to see another team pop up in Mobile and some of these other places. How um, how important is it for leagues like the GCPL in this country to get replicated across the country to have kind of incubators for those types of clubs to pop up? Do you think that's do you think we need to see more GCPL like yeah. leagues uh, around the country? For sure. That, that I think, should be where the support is. That's, that's where I think the focus and the energy should go. So um, completely realigning our, our, our soccer views and, and energy into what, obviously, we want to see the, na- the, the, the national team do well on the men's side. The women's side, obviously, they are what they are and they're doing what they're doing. But we, we want to see ourselves grow as a country. That, that's all good, the macro, right? But, but to do well, we have to get into to the, the nitty-gritty of our neighborhoods. And we need to grow the game in small town. For me, small town Alabama. This is happening, Daniel. Like, you know better than I do. I, this is happening all around the country. And, 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 you know, in small town New Jersey or, you know, in, in Connecticut or West Coast, whatever. It's, it is happening. But the fact that we're talking about it here in small town Alabama is, is, is exciting and cool. But the problem is that, to, to the point of this whole conversation, is that, you have people chasing national recognition, 
you, you have people say national recognition. I think Abe amused, and I hate to, again, he's speaking for maybe some of his guys at AFC Mobile. It was an easier way to get into the U.S. Cup, an easier way to get into the U.S. Cup. So that sums it up. And if so, if that's what Pensacola and Port City, AFC, Tallahassee, if that's what they were in it for, then we, we're losing. We're losing as, as a whole. Because it's funny, right? This morning before I even opened up your your your, your call or your, your uh, interview, um, there was a tweet by a guy who talks about passion. It comes from the word, the Latin word uh, petty, uh, which, uh, uh, which means to suffer. There's no suffering. Like these guys using the words of passion, uh, a rivalry and history, you've not suffered. What have you suffered? You paid a bill to enter a league to make it easier to enter another level of play. So we're lo- we lost as, as a... As a soccer, um, as a soccer uh, country, we've lost because there is no suffering. We, we, we think history is three years in, in a local league when, when, when other countries or other levels of play show that it is decades of suffering. You know, look, look, look anywhere and, and, and suffer, soccer first country. So, yeah, it's, it, it, it's upsetting because on, on the national scale, we, we talk about things to improve, but really, Daniel, it's improving ourselves on, on, the, on the local level. Yeah, totally. I mean, look, I, when I look at the, the, the landscape of uh, the, the system on a macro level, structure system, um, and I, I, I put out a series of tweets yesterday talking a little bit about this, um, it, it is really easy to get caught up in blaming clubs and blaming leagues, but the ultimate responsibility, kind of the, the whole Truman uh, mantra of the buck stops here um, is the U S soccer Federation, not doing its job to uh, promote the game, to set up and structure the game, to connect the leagues into a, a tiered high, you know, high hierarchy um, structure and system of leagues so that, you know, if you are having success, you're moving yourself up uh, through primarily sporting merit. Uh, in the absence of that, the only way to grow your club is to do um, what Abram talked about, what you've referenced, which is to pay the bill, and it's to to you know pay a higher fee to go up to a higher league. Um, which is essentially, um, you know, breaking the the FIFA code for how teams should enter leagues, uh, which goes back to the macro yeah. point of U.S. soccer failing to do its job when it comes to structure and system. And what we what we saw yesterday in the announcement of the four teams leaving the GCPL Eastern Conference and going to the NPSL um, is is another example of what is happening happening consistently uh, throughout the country, MLS taking from USL, USL taking from NISA, NISA taking from NPSL, etc., so on and so forth, all the way up and down everywhere across the country because we don't have a unified structure and system, so it breeds this dysfunction. Uh, we get the results because of the system, uh, not in spite of it. So, um, yeah, agree, Daniel. Agree, agree to that. But, but in the same breath, I think that we also have responsibility if we're if we're in the local um, game, if we're in, in if we're in the small level or lower level game, 
then I think it's we, we some of us talk out both sides of our mouths. We, we say that we want to uh, reach a certain level um, and that we want to do, you know, and, and we buy into this idea of promotion relegation and we retweet it. We do all this and we talk the big game, but then we go and we do the other thing that just is against it. I, I, you know, and we want to have passionate fans when really it's just about selling it to people that just want to buy the hype, you know, so we almost want one thing and then do another as I think we have for sure. I'm with you on the national scale. We have, we need more better leadership, more responsibility, et cetera. But we also need people to lower levels to say, no, you know what? We're going to, we're going to make GCPL for our case, the best league in the country. And we're going to make people, we're going to make noise about it. And you know what? We're going to win it. And if we win it, then we're going to make noise and someone's going to reach out to us and we're going to go play at a higher level. We're going to walk it. We're going to win it. We're, we're, but we don't. We're, we don't do that. We think that three years is long or four or five years is long. And we're just going to go, you know, pay our ways in. I think, again, I think the uh, the letters, the colors, the um, the noise ends up capturing people's attention. I know a lot of people are all like, hey, congrats. They're going to the same league, Daniel. You know that. They're going to the same thing. They, they're going to play the same amount of games. The same amount. They might travel a little bit further. And, you know, New Orleans Jesters, I think Abram called them a big club. A big, a what? A big club. New Orleans Jesters. No, they're not. No, they're not. So I just think we've got it all mixed up, man. And we're selling stuff that's not true. So that, that's, what, that's what bothers me the most. Last um, question. Last question here. I want to pick up on something you just said. Um, if if you believe principally in the idea of promotion and relegation, um, and 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 you wanted to walk that out, you wanted to build the league, and and build your club within the league. If you were to win the GCPL as a club, uh, even though there is no quote unquote promotion relegation, if you won it at that point, would you look at a different league for your club to go, okay, we've won the league. Now we're going to look at this kind of a self promotion relegation setup uh, in terms of moving the club up or, you know, are, are you looking at, clubs needing to stay with their league and kind of forcing uh, promotion and relegation by, you know, working uh, to unite and connect the leagues uh, from existing positions and then starting the promotion and relegation. Yeah. I think what you said there, um, working with, working with the, the league um, leaders and, and, and saying, right, you know, we've, um, you know, I'll, let me use example of uh, the, the WPSL, the women's Pensacola. I mean, they've got, um, the talented players coming in from all over the country. One girl was playing over with the, I think the Nigerian or Ghanaian national team. They come in and, you know, what, what good is it for them to be playing at the WPSL level when they've gone and won on the national level of, of, of WPSL? I think the conversation should, I don't know if it has, you know, be, you know, how do we get an NWSL team down there to where they can compete at that level? I think you gotta, yeah, you gotta look at those, um, those things, if you if you do end up winning it, what is next for your your team? If if there is, now it also has to make sense financially because uh, I don't know MPSL or, or you know what used to be PDL and you know we would have to fly or, or travel hours away uh, for a game. You know if, if that's what your budget allows you, you know 150 on a summer league. I just don't. For me, I don't know if that that makes for us. It wouldn't make sense to go and play on a league that's financially going to hurt, hurt our, our, our youth. Um, so, 
if we were to your question, if we were to win the GCPL, um, we would probably start a conversation of is there a need and a, or a necessity to go and compete at a higher level? But then the higher level is basically offering the same product, summer league, uh, higher expenses, same amount of time. You know, it's just right now, it just the, the whole system just doesn't suit us. So that's why GCPL and regional leagues like that are important, are so important. Um, so I, I hope to double down on GCPL. I hope GCPL keep, keeps growing. Hope other regional leagues look at them and, and keep growing and um, and not look at the easy route to get into the U.S. Open Cup. Um, how cool. The, the story gets better the harder it gets. So uh, teams that grind out from a regional league all the way through U.S. Cup, um, that's that's a story. Not Not paying your way in to make an easier route. I hear you, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show, think, show today. Thanks for thanks for um, uh, giving us your thoughts on the news that broke yesterday. Uh, I know it's yeah. created a little bit of uh, topsy turvy, unknown questions, etc. Um, unfortunately, yeah, this repeats all over the country. Um, but it's uh, you know, Hurricane NPSL hit the Gulf Coast yesterday and left in its wake uh, the GCPL Eastern Conference, and uh, we'll see where the pieces end up over the next few months so best of luck to you and uh thanks for coming on the show again take care man thank you that is gerardo flores he is uh the director of coaching and um one of the the heads leaders of the gulf coast rangers football club uh located in the in the same metro area as afc mobile that just left for the npsl um so thanks to uh, abram thanks to g for coming on the show today kind of giving their thoughts on the news from yesterday as always you can watch the show on facebook.com forward slash wrkmn at danielworkman.com and you can catch me on twitter or instagram at danielworkman thanks for watching we'll see everyone again tomorrow.